Okay, we're going to carry on this morning with uh, looking at the series that we began before Christmas called Acts All Church Teaching Series, and just looking at some of the key things that were hallmarks, really, of the early Christian church. And what I want to share this morning is a church that expects the miraculous, a church that expects the miraculous. Um, I wonder how you would define a miracle. Augustine, before he became a Christian, was, was quite a rascal. But when he became a Christian, he said this, I never have any difficulty believing in miracles since I experienced the miracle of a change in my own heart. And I would say the greatest miracle is the miracle of God's saving grace, of uh, being born again, coming to find Jesus as our Lord and Savior. That is the greatest miracle that anybody could experience because it's not just a miracle for time, but it is of course for all eternity. And we know that Jesus performed many miracles because people would often say, where did this man get his wisdom and these miraculous powers? Um, as we go through this morning, I've got quite a lot of verses of scripture that I want us to refer to. So uh, Janice is next to me and she's going to read them at relevant points because we want to just capture the importance of the miraculous and how God will do miraculous things. And we see it particularly in the life of the early church. The Bible says that Jesus came to destroy the works of the evil one, Satan. And Satan rules over the world by deception, sickness, and sin. But of course, all of these can be overcome by the power in the name of Jesus Christ. And in Acts chapter 3, Peter and John went up to the temple to pray, and there was a man sitting there who was crippled. And he was miraculously healed. And we'll refer to that a bit later. But in Acts 3.16, uh, I'll read it to you. Peter says, through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. Now, we need to remember, we've said this before, that the book of Acts is the story of the disciples receiving what Jesus received in order to do what Jesus did. So let's just listen to Acts 4, 29 to 31, some of the things that were going on. And now, O Lord, hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after this prayer, the meeting place shook and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. So here was the early Christian church beginning to suffer persecution, but they're praying, God, will you give us boldness? Will you stretch out your hand and enable us to do miraculous signs? Here was a church that expected miracles. If you don't expect miracles, then you're not likely to see them. Faith is all about what we expect, what we believe God will do in us and through us. And in the story of the early Christian church, we read of miraculous signs and wonders. 
Paul and Barnabas were a couple of missionaries that traveled to different nations away from uh, Israel. And one time they came back to Jerusalem to report to the apostles how things were going. And in Acts 15, they, everybody was listening quietly to Paul and Barnabas, and they told about the miraculous signs and wonders God had done through them. God was moving powerfully through this. Now, how does a miracle differ from healing? The Greek word healed is therapeuo. We're familiar with that, therapeutic. That's where we get that word from. And God heals, of course, by many means. He heals by the prayer of faith. We believe that. He heals by the laying of hands. We practice that. He heals also by natural recuperative powers. So he also heals by medicine. Thank God for the NHS. And he heals through miracles. Healings can be a speeding up of the body's natural healing process or the reversing of a degenerative process. But miracles are different. The Latin word for miracle is miraculum, which literally means a wonder or a sign. And I guess with all miracles, you end up wondering what happened or how that happened. And a miracle is an extraordinary event which manifests itself by divine intervention in human affairs. You see, miracles deal with that which is naturally impossible. Healings always relate to some form of illness, but miracles have a much wider definition. Just a few to think of throughout the scriptures, for example, the parting of the Red Sea. We had read to us about the time when God sent Moses to deliver the people of Israel out of their captivity and slavery in Egypt. And Moses performed many, many miracles. Jenny read about them in Psalm 105. And Emma read from Exodus, where God <coughs> was sending Moses to say, you will do miraculous signs. There were many miracles that God performed. And of course, once they left Egypt, they came to the Red Sea and they thought they were done for. And then God miraculously parted the waters. Something that is contrary to normal, natural occurrences. We read in the Bible about three guys, Meshach, Shadrach and Abednego, who in the book of Daniel were put in the fiery furnace. They were put there to be executed, but the fire didn't harm them. When they came out, they didn't even smell of smoke because God had been present with them. That was a miracle. We read in the ministry of Jesus, water being instantly turned into wine. Of Jesus feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fishes. We read of Jesus walking on the water, and even Peter walked on the water. We read of two occasions where the apostles and Peter were miraculously delivered from being put in prison. And then Paul, being bitten by a poisonous snake, was totally unharmed. We read of the blind being made to see and the dead raised to life. These are all miracles. A miracle denotes that which is naturally impossible. So let me just share with you five things this morning uh, before we go into breakout groups and think about this in a little more detail. First of all, miracles 
are according to God's sovereign will. Miracles are according to God's sovereign will. Let's listen to Acts 3, 8 to 10, verse 16, and then Acts 4, verse 16. Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. He jumped up, stood on his feet and began to walk. Then walking, leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with them. All the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the lame beggar they'd seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Verse 16. Through faith in the name of Jesus, this man was healed. And you know how crippled he was before. Faith in Jesus' name has healed him before your very eyes. And Acts 4.16. What should we do with these men, they asked each other. We can't deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everybody in Jerusalem knows about it. Great. So this is the story that I referred to earlier of Peter and John going up to the temple at three o'clock in the afternoon for the prayer service. And a crippled man who sat begging every single day at the entrance asks them for money. This man was more than 40 years of age and Jesus must have passed him on countless occasions because there were many times when Jesus went to Jerusalem and he would have gone to the temple. but this man had never received a miracle from Jesus. However, as Peter and John, freshly filled with the Holy Spirit just after the day of Pentecost, when they arrived at the temple on that day for the prayer service, it was this man's miracle moment. And Peter says, I don't have any money to give you, but I've got something else. In the name of Jesus Christ, stand up and walk. And the man not only stood up, but he begins to jump up and down. He's leaping in the air. He's praising God. And it has an incredible impact upon the whole of the community there in Jerusalem. Why? Because a miracle opens your eyes and makes you think, wow, however did that happen? Joni Erickson Tada, she simply reminds us that miracles are always a sovereign act of God. This is what she says. Nothing is a surprise to God. Nothing is a setback to his plans. Nothing can thwart his purposes and nothing is beyond his control. His sovereignty is absolute. Everything that happens is uniquely ordained by God. Sovereignty is a weighty thing to ascribe to the nature and character of God. Yet, if he were not sovereign, he would not be God. The Bible is clear that God is in control of everything that happens. So the first thing I want us to understand is that miracles are always according to God's sovereign will. The second thing that we need to understand is that miracles are signs to convince people of God's power. Let's listen to Acts 5, verses 12 to 16. The apostles were performing many miraculous signs and wonders amongst the people, and all the believers were meeting regularly at the temple in the area known as Solomon's Colonnade. But no one else dared to join them, even though all the people had high regard for them. Yet more and more people believed and were brought to the Lord, crowds of both men and women. And as a result of the apostles' work, 
sick people were brought out into the streets on beds and mats so that Peter's shadow might fall across some of them as he went by. Crowds came from the villages around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those possessed by evil spirits, and they were all healed. Did you catch that line? More and more people believed. Miracles are signs to convince people of God's power. So if we go back to the passages that were read to us in the Old Testament, God used miracles to convince Pharaoh to release the people of Israel from their slavery in Egypt. Miraculous signs are used to convince unbelieving people of the truth of God's power. We don't need convincing. We believe that God is almighty, that he is all powerful. But miracles are used to convince unbelieving people of God's power. Let's listen to Matthew 12, verses 38 to 40. <clears throat> One day, some teachers of religious law and Pharisees came to Jesus and said, Teacher, we want you to show us a miraculous sign to prove your authority. But Jesus replied, Only an evil, adulterous generation will demand a miraculous sign. But the only sign I will give them is the sign of the prophet Jonah. For as Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days and three nights, so will the Son of Man be in the heart of the earth for three days and three nights. So here were some of the religious leaders coming to Jesus and saying, well, do a miraculous sign and we believe you are who you say you are. In those days, scribes, Pharisees and teachers of religious law, they rejected Jesus. Even after seeing the miracles and the healings that he performed, they still refused to believe. However, the ordinary people received Jesus gladly and they were readily convinced by the miraculous signs and wonders that Jesus performed. They readily convinced that he was the son of God. After the resurrection of Jesus, one of his disciples, Thomas, had doubts. Because some of the disciples had been to the grave and found the grave was empty and uh, seen the angels who spoke to them and said, Jesus is not here. He is risen. And when Jesus had appeared to some of the disciples, Thomas was absent. And so he had doubts on the fact that Jesus was alive. But listen to what Jesus says in John 20, 26 to 29. Eight days later, the disciples were together and this time Thomas was with them. The doors were locked, but suddenly, as before, Jesus was standing amongst them. Peace be with you, he said. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and look at my hands. Put your hand into the wound in my side. Don't be faithless any longer. Believe. My Lord and my God, Thomas explained, exclaimed. Then Jesus told him, you believe because you've seen me. But blessed are those who believe without seeing me. That was an amazing moment for Thomas. But for Thomas, seeing was believing. But Jesus says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. And notice what John goes on to say after that encounter in verse 30 and 31. The disciples saw Jesus do many other miraculous signs in addition to the ones recorded in this book. But these are written so that you may continue to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing in him, you will have life by the power of his name. 
Brilliant. So Jesus did many other miraculous signs. So miracles are a sovereign act of God. Miracles are given to convince people of God's power. But thirdly, miracles are a gift of the Holy Spirit. And let's just hear 1 Corinthians 12 and verse 10. Right. He gives one person the power to perform miracles and to another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the spirit of God or from another spirit. Still another person is given the ability to speak in an unknown language, while another is given the ability to interpret what is said. Great. So here is a, a list of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. And clearly it states he gives to one the ability to perform miracles. The gifts of the Holy Spirit are given to strengthen and build the church so that we can demonstrate the power of God. The Holy Spirit gives these gifts as he wills for the common good. We do not possess them. We do not own them. They are not badges of honor or signs of spiritual maturity. They are not earned. They are grace gifts that God will enable us to use when he sees that they are necessary. And one of these gifts is the power to perform miracles. Now, listen to John 11, verse 11 to 13. Then Jesus said, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but now I will go and wake him up. The disciples said, Lord, if he is sleeping, he will soon get better. They thought Jesus meant Lazarus was simply sleeping, but Jesus meant that Lazarus had died. There is nothing wrong with asking God to give you a specific gift at a specific time for a specific purpose. Just before Janice and I retired from our church in Southampton, uh, one of our leaders, a fine young man, he was a director within the NHS. Uh, he, was, he was a great, committed, wonderful guy. He suddenly died, left a wife with two very young children. It shattered us as a church. We just couldn't believe it. I remember getting the phone call, suddenly hearing that he was dead, and he was the, the last person on earth that I had ever thought would just suddenly drop dead. But he did. And it was a very difficult time, but I felt a strong conviction within me that we needed to go to the funeral home and ask God to give James back to us. So I got three of our other leaders together and we went to the funeral home and they gave us time with James. Nothing happened. I longed for a miracle. We all believed that God could raise him to, back to life and give him back to us. But at that moment, God did not intervene because for some reason God had decided it was time to call James home to be with himself. But, you know, I'm glad that we did that. I'm glad that we stepped out in faith and dared to believe that God could do the miraculous in this situation. Sometimes we hold back. Sometimes we're hesitant. But when the Bible says that God gives to one the ability to perform miracles, we need, as it were, to push the boat out and to walk on water and see if it happens 
because with God, it is always possible for the impossible to be made possible. And we'll look at that in just a moment. So miracles are also a gift of the Holy Spirit. The fourth thing we need to understand is that miracles are a promise from Jesus. Listen to Mark 16 verses 15 to 18. And then he told them, go into all the world and preach the good news to everyone. Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved. But anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. These miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. They'll cast out demons in my name. They'll speak in new languages. They'll be able to handle snakes with safety. And if they drink anything poisonous, it will not hurt them. They will be able to place their hands upon the sick and they will be healed. Jesus said, miraculous signs will accompany those who believe. That's what Jesus said. That's the promise. And we can expect that promise to be fulfilled. Just before Jesus returned to heaven, he promised that we could do miracles in his name. This is a promise to be claimed, not just to be looked at in the Bible and thought, well, that's rather nice. It's there for us to claim and dare to believe that God will do it. Timothy Keller, the uh, popular American theologian, he says this, we modern people think of miracles as the suspension of the natural order, but Jesus meant them to be the restoration of the natural order. The Bible tells us that God did not originally make the world to have disease, hunger, and death in it. Jesus has come to redeem where it was wrong and heal the world where it is broken. His miracles are not just proofs that he has power, but also a wonderful foretaste of what he is going to do with that power. Jesus' miracles are not just a challenge to our minds, they are a promise to our hearts that the world we all want is coming. So we need to claim the promise that Jesus said these signs, these miraculous signs will follow them that believe. Okay, so miracles are a sovereign act of God. Miracles are signs to convince people of God's power. Miracles are a gift of the Holy Spirit. Miracles are a promise of Jesus. But finally, miracles challenge us to believe for the impossible. Let's hear a few verses of scripture just <coughs> now that uh, support that. Genesis 18 verse 14 says, Is anything too hard for the Lord? I will return about this time next year, and Sarah will have a son. Luke 1, chapter, uh, chapter 1, verse 37, says, For the word of God will never fail. Matthew 19, verse 26, says, Jesus looked at them intently and said, Humanly speaking, it is impossible, but with God, everything is possible. So Jesus reminds his disciples that with God, everything is possible. That word was spoken to Abraham and to Sarah when they were both old and they had not been able to have children. 
Abraham was a hundred and Sarah was pretty close. She was barren. She was way past the years of childbearing. But God said, with me, all things are possible. When the angel came to the Virgin Mary and said that she was going to bring Jesus into the world, she says, I'm not married. And the angel said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you for nothing is too difficult for God. And so we need to see and recognize that the scripture reminds us that for God, nothing is too difficult. Are you content to live a mediocre life where nothing special happens? Or will you rise to the challenge saying, Jesus, I am willing for you to do amazing things through me? That's where I want to live. We have a God who says, with me, all things are possible. Therefore, we can ask and believe God for the impossible. This is what the early Christians did. And the Acts of the Apostles records miraculous signs and wonders that God did through these ordinary people. I believe God wants the same for us today because God hasn't changed. And Jesus' intention and desire for his church has not changed. And faith is the key that will open the door to God's miraculous power. In Hebrews 11, it just reminds us of some miracles that we've already alluded to. But let me talk, just read it to you. It was by faith that Sarah was able to have a child, though she was barren and too old. She believed that God would keep his promise. It was by faith. That the people of Israel went right through the Red Sea as though they were on dry ground. But when the Egyptians tried to follow, they were all drowned. It was by faith that the people of Israel marched around Jericho for seven days and the walls came tumbling down. Not long after Janice and I were married, some friends from her home church in Stoke-on-Trent uh, invited us to join them where they were holidaying in Conway in North Wales. Philip and Elaine, their names were, and Philip had this, this boat that he loved just to take out, uh, out of the estuary. And uh, we were down on the beach. It was a lovely day. And Philip said, come on, let's go out and get in the boat. So it was a little way out. And so I waded out sort of up to my waist. And as I was clambering into the boat, my new wedding ring slipped off my finger and into the sea. And I thought, oh no, Janice has only given this to me not long ago. How, how am I gonna tell her? We got in the boat and we zipped out to sea and, and had fun. I, I don't remember anything of the boat ride because I was so upset and distressed about my ring. We got off the boat, came back and sat on the beach and I was disappointed. It was a very fast flowing estuary and the tide came in very rapidly and went out very rapidly. And as we sat on the beach having our lunch and spending the rest of the afternoon, I just said, Lord, will you show me where my ring is? And after a few hours, the tide had gone right out, the water had subsided and I walked down on the beach, I had no idea where the boat was. I, I didn't really know the exact spot where my ring had fallen in the water, but I wandered down in this kind of silty, muddy water, and all of a sudden, gleaming in the sunlight, was my wedding ring. 
That to me was a miracle, <laughs> particularly with the force of the tide that could have carried my ring anywhere. And I've cherished this ring for 50 years ever since because I really believe that God did something miraculous. Let's pray together just for a moment. Father God, we know that we live in a broken world. We know that we live in an unbelieving world. And we know that unbelievers look for a sign. And we know that you are all powerful. We know you are the God who says with me, all things are possible. And Lord, we're just ordinary people. But when we look at the account of the early church, we see that those disciples were just ordinary people, but they became extraordinary by the power of your Holy Spirit. Lord, will you please use us to perform your miracles so that people will know your love and your power and come to find Jesus as their Lord and Savior. We pray this in his name. Amen.